Our scripture for today's God's Word for Today devotional is found in Psalm chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. And this is one of the famous Psalms that we usually hear. And let me read this in our English Standard Version. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory upon the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. To steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of our hands. You have put all things under his feet. All shipmen, oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's not difficult to see the focus of God's greatness as the theme in this psalm. Why? Because verse 1 and 9, the first and the last verse, is the same. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The psalmist exalts the majestic name of God. As David viewed God's creation, who is the author in David here, he was so overwhelmed with how wonderful, great, and exalted God is. In the same expression, David wrote also in Psalm 19, verses 1 to 6, about the glory of God could be seen in his creation. It's a similar revelation of God through creation. Looking back in Genesis, there was an instance that the Lord appeared to Abraham and instructed him to look unto, unto the heavens and number the stars. That would be an eye-opening of the great patriarch Abraham to know who God is. Can he number the stars? Of course not. The Lord just wants to emphasize to him how big is God. The word majestic may be translated as wonderful, great, or exalted. It's tragic and a great perversion, really, that for man who is corrupt because of sin will worship the creation rather than the creator. And that's our problem. There is no one of us who, is, who can escape this problem of sometimes making idols in our lives and not respecting God as the creator, but we love the creation. Thus, the Apostle Paul indicated that those who fail to believe in God are without excuse in Romans chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. Though how strong and majestic God is, what David wrote here would would amaze us. Why? Because even though of how strong and majestic he is, he could use infant and children to praise him and shame the enemy. This particular truth, the Lord Jesus Christ referred after he cleansed the temple as recorded in Matthew 21 verse 16, that if you reject me, even the babes, the sucklings, 
those who are still very young, they are still unwind as children will praise him. It's unthinkable that those still being wind or as young as an infant can bring down the enemy, is it not? In other words, God chooses the weak to shame the strong. And that's the principle that we can always encourage our hearts because it's all about God. There is no body of us who need or who is needed by God in order that we can contribute to his glory. Nobody is everything. God is God and we are zero. We are nobodies. So it's all about God. So the instrument is immaterial. The instrument is just nothing. So when we think of the greatness of God, we think of how nothing we are. That's the perspective that David saw when we move to chapter or verse 4. In verse 4, he asked this question, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you can care for him? So reflecting upon the greatness of God, David felt his nothingness. He was nobody, as, and every one of us should feel this way. The man here in this verse is actually the term that is used to refer to an individual person or mankind. We are very vulnerable or we are limited. We are weak. Man by nature is weak. Man even is created lower than the angels, according to David here. Yet, he cares for them. He created man, although he, was, he is lower than the angel, but he is crowned with glory and honor. His care for man as his top creation in this world is shown by the common grace that he gives to them. After he created man, he instructed them to go and multiply and replenish the earth and that he will, they will domain or they will exercise dominion over all the world. Everything else in this creation is under his dominion. Domesticated animals, you know, the oxen, the sheep, even the wild animals and the fishes in the oceans. So man is created as his representative to manage this world. God is gracious to man. God is merciful to man to shower him with his common grace. And even Jesus recognized this when he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, he, God the Father, makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. This is the grace of God, the common grace of God. He let his son shine not only to the good people, righteous people, but even to the wicked, the unrighteous people, those farmers and those entrepreneurs who tilled their land and had big produce, even though they do not recognize God, who is the giver of sunshine and rain unto their, unto their crops. 
nothing except God. It is God. God alone is the source of all these blessings. Now, most importantly, and this is very encouraging for us, this psalm is quoted four times in the New Testament because this psalm is messianic. This psalm is the psalm that says that God became man and the Messiah will become man. This is an act of compassion that God did become man like us. This psalm is quoted in 1 Corinthians 15, Ephesians 1, Hebrews chapter 2, and Matthew chapter 21. And this refers to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was born and he lived as man, truly man. The angels did not. And as a fully human being, he could only serve a sacrifice for humanity. On that cross, when Jesus cried out in victory, it is finished. It means that his death was sufficient payment for all, for all time, for all people, for the sins of humanity. Our salvation could never be purchased by anything else other than the precious blood that Jesus shed at the cross. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Although Jesus became man and became humble, according to Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 10, he did not think that being God is something to be grasped, but he willfully, willingly, he humbled himself and became man. He became a servant, even sacrificed himself to the cross for the payment of our sins. Even when he did that, according to, Phil to Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, he was exalted that every knee should bow before him. Every tongue will, will confess that Jesus is Lord. Isaiah, the prophet, before the Lord Jesus Christ was born, he prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Let me read. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish and to uphold, to uphold, to uphold it. In other words, Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus was born that Jesus is the king and he will succeed the throne of David and his kingdom will be established forever. Even Paul added it in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 27. After Jesus rose from the dead, he was exalted. So that Paul said here in this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 27, For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. So today, we should continue to be awed by the wonders of God's creation. As we look around, we should not forget that there is a creator. But what should make us wonder more is that although how God is, how big God is, how majestic God is, he became man. He became like us. And that's why John exclaimed about the Lord Jesus Christ as the word. And the word became flesh and dwell among us and we beheld his glory.
the glories of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. We will always wonder and be awed by what Christ did, that though he was God, he became man, so that we will know him. Let us look, look up, look around, and especially look back at Calvary and be prompted to glorify God even more. That's why in gospel life, we always have this slogan that every day we should drink in the gospel, live out the gospel, and give away the gospel. Drink in the gospel means look back to Calvary and be encouraged that Christ became man in order to sacrifice his, himself at the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. What God has done should be our motivation to serve him even today. Let us pray. Father, indeed, your name is majestic, Lord. There's no other name comparable to your name. Your name is the most beautiful name in the world. I mean, that ever we can think of. Thank you, dear Father, that this morning you have prompted us again to remember the greatness of what you are doing in, in a true creation. But the great, your greatness is inexplainable, unfathomable with our finite minds because we know you because of the Lord Jesus Christ who is God who became man in order for us to know you. As everyone who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ have known the Father. Father, thank you for this reminder. Thank you, Lord, for this truth today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.